What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Couple on Fire podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the marriage growth mindset. When's that coming up? Right now. Thank you so much for joining us on the Couple on Fire podcast. This podcast is for couples, for marriages, and for families within the Christian community. We exist to help break the stigma that happens within the Christian community. We're talking about divorce, we're talking about addiction, and we're talking about so much more. We believe that all this is possible in this life strictly based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. What is up, everybody? Welcome to today's show. I am one of your hosts, Josh. I'm here with the always absolutely beautiful and gorgeous Miss Christy. How are you, babe? I'm good. Are you good? Yeah. You are good? Anything on that pretty little mind today that you want to talk about before we jump in today's episode? I don't think so. You got nothing? You don't have anything? No, I don't think so. I think you should have something. I do have a lot of some things we're going to talk no, about. No, I mean to talk about for us. <laughs> No, I don't think we, I don't think I do. I don't think I have anything outstanding. We had nine kids at our house from 12 and under on Sunday. And we haven't had any of those children at our house in a long time, actually. And especially not that volume. So we All the way to like newborn. Eight nieces and nephews. Yeah. And then a grandbaby. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, it was crazy. It was actually not that, as crazy as what I had thought it was going to be, but it was, it was good. It was good. It was good no, to see yeah. everybody and everybody here. So yeah, really cool. and dogs. We had yeah. um, uh, Stella's BFF. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, our daughter Jordan has a dog. And uh, Jude, she brings Jude over and Stella loves it. So, if you're new here, you haven't had a chance yet and you're on YouTube, subscribe to us. If you're on Facebook, make sure you follow us, right? So, we go live every single week on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's what we do. We also have a private Facebook group. If you're curious about where that at, where that is and what that looked like, you can head to our website, joshandchristy.com. That's Christy with a K and a Y. And, uh, you know, help okay. us out by hitting the share button. You know, if you're on Facebook right now, we would really, really appreciate it. So, the marriage growth mindset, you know, we really want to talk about this. So, Something that we actually talk about a lot, and we haven't really, I don't think we've ever actually talked about it on a show before, Mm -mm. is about our individual personal growth and how it makes a play into your lives in general, but also into your marriage. And so we we really want to dive into that. I mean, we looked it up. Yeah, we looked. I mean, our blog, we have one, and we might have went live in the group, the private group, and talked about it. Yeah. I don't think we've done a podcast on it. We have not. And it's funny because... We tell people the single most important thing that you can do for your marriage is to find your own personal growth. And so I think that's the key. I mean, besides, even it's funny. So when I think of personal growth and people say, well, what about your personal relationship with God? Of course, but you have to have a desire to want to follow God, right? You have to make a personal decision to choose to follow Jesus Christ. And it's like, you know, you, it's all of that's personal choice and that all comes with personal development. So uh, it's really powerful. It is. It is. And it's something that we have used in our own personal lives. So I agree. So we want to talk about. All right. So the first thing we want to talk about today, the first thing is individuality. I was going to say, you say that word. <laughs> I did. Individuality. You said it more fun. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So what's that mean? I'm more goofy than you. Uh, I think it's important in your marriage. This is the balance that you need to find in your marriage because you do need to be one. You, you know, you've gotten married and it says God has created you one flesh. 
So you have a marriage plan that God has a purpose for you, but each of you still have your individual selves as well that you need to make sure that you're working out your own things. So we, each of us humans have our own demons that we have to fight against, our own uh, sinful nature that we have to fight against and things like that. So as far as individuality goes, what do you have to do to work on that separate from your spouse mm-hmm. so that you can come to your marriage prepared and ready to for any type of conversations that you need? Yeah, it's something that I've said years in our recovery program is I always say we need to have more thumbs and less fingers. And I think that really applies to this point of individuality within your marriage. It's real easy when, like Christy's saying, when you get married, it's real easy to now kind of lean into your spouse's not just support, but also being sometimes being the strength of taking over everything else too, where it's real easy for me because Christy, Christy's good at loving me, loving me to the point to where I think she even loves me a little too well in certain areas and it doesn't allow me to grow in certain areas. And I think that's a natural succession of, of a marriage, but that's not Christy's fault, right? That's my fault for allowing myself to, you know, not, not hold myself accountable in certain areas. So I think it's really important that when we look at individuality in our marriages, that we don't lean on our spouse and make excuses for not individually growing. And I what think, areas can't you grow because I'm loving you too well? For me, I think you make it really, really safe for me to not. If I wanted to just lay around all day and not do anything, you would let me do that. Well, yeah. There we go. Okay, there we go. Well, yeah. You would allow me to do right, and you would allow me to do that. Now I don't allow myself to do that. Yeah. Right. But I know that you will. You wouldn't care if I did that. No. You wouldn't. You would still go and be you and do you and pay all the bills and take care of everything. And you'd probably come home and do the dishes and clean the house and be like, well, if that's something he doesn't want to do, then you would do that. Right. Yeah. And, and it's and I think a lot of relationships are like that. I think what happens is you find on the guy where the guy is like comes home and like takes his clothes off in the bedroom and lays them on the floor and doesn't take care of them and doesn't clean the sink up after he's done brushing his teeth. And, and I can only speak from a guy's standpoint. Right. And he just kind of lets those things go because yeah, my wife will just take care of it. She always just does. Right. And it's no big deal. That's not even a big deal. That's no, that's nothing. Right. But we, we use those excuses instead of individually taking responsibility for being better in those areas. I think it's real easy in marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't you agree? I do. I do. Okay. Agree. I do agree. Uh-huh. I do, which means you have something to say about it. I do agree that you have, you know, you do need to have individual growth and you need to, you know, push yourself to be better. I think sometimes though, it is a good counterbalance to have a spouse that is outside of yourself. If you have a spouse that has a high drive, I think maybe they could drive themselves into the ground. So I think you just have to have a good counterbalance for it because, you know, um, I think you and I are very similar that we beat ourselves up a lot about all the things that we're not doing. Probably Mm -hmm. me more so than you because you're constantly counterbalancing with me with that. So I think it's important sometimes because you would always constantly be go, 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 going. If I wasn't like, you need to you need to pause and you need to sit down. You need to relax. So we do need to have individuality, but I think that is part of the balance of marriage, though, is also coming in and holding each other, each other accountable to be better or to take a break if we need to take a break. I agree. Or to if you are, your spouse is just laying around all the time, 
to have a conversation like what's some things that they could you do once a week could you help me with the dishes you know something to yeah. help balance it out yeah and i think that is the importance of marriage yeah but i think a lot of times what happens is the wife just for an instance says i just i don't want to nag him i don't feel like nagging him and it's not an encouragement at that point the guy takes it as nagging because i think most people want to deny things instead of growing in areas because growing hurts and it's a struggle and it's hard this is what i love about him and i though because on our podcast and stuff he talks so lovingly about the wife you know he he's he he's a man he's the husband and he puts tons of responsibility on husbands okay not wives so he's like the wives probably just don't want to nag and blah 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 and me i put a lot more responsibility on the wives you know i'm just like a lot of times the i mean that's why the bible talks about living with a nagging wife so many times i mean in one book of the bible that i just read it's mentioned like randomly every other verse it seemed like like a man's better to live on the corner of the house than live with a nagging wife so it's like the majority i think of marriages get into just a toxic pattern where the wife is always nagging Mm -hmm. and the husband is like tuning her out like uh because he's a child like acting like a large child and not cleaning up after himself or the woman has completely checked out if she's checked out and she's not even nagging anymore you're in a lot more trouble because at that point she doesn't even care anymore she's just like whatever i'll just do it all i don't even need you but this is why i think this speaks right to exactly what we're talking about individuality because you care individually right Uh, mm -hmm. instead of pointing fingers at me and saying it's my husband's yeah that's perfect see this speaks exactly to this point we're talking about because i'm not a life coach i'm a wife coach (laughs) that's right that's right (laughs) and you're not well you're not going to make excuses right you're going to take responsibility and i think that's what individuality in our relationship means. that's so good babe that's what it is that's what it means right you're taking responsibility way to bring it right back around as an individual and you're saying no i'm not going to point my fingers i'm not going (laughs) to blame i'm going to take responsibility yeah but i'm also going to have encouraging conversations and hard conversations with my spouse when it needs to be done, you know? So it's important. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, right? So that's the first point. Number two. Yeah, we beat that point to death. Boom, hammered it. (laughs) Emotional intelligence. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, man. This is tough. This is a tough one for a lot of people. (laughs) It was very tough for me. (laughs) It's much less telling people to be intelligent. That's hard to find these days. Tell them to be emotionally intelligent. Yikes. So emotional intelligence, I think everybody comes, everybody has baggage, right? And I think that our world is dictated through the lens that we receive and view everything from, from our childhood and all that and up. So when you get married and you get into a relationship, a lot of times what we're talking about is even second marriages, third marriages, things like that. So you even carry the lens now through your old previous Mm -hmm. marriage through that. And I think it's important to going back to taking individual responsibility or individuality, but talking about where are my blind spots where I'm unable to have a healthy conversation. And so I need to be more emotionally intelligent to give my, in both ways, it means so many things to me, right? Like I need to be emotionally intelligent about you. So I should know, like mm. you start getting sharp tongued and things like that. Like, have you eaten today? Yeah. Like, and you then, alter your approach. Yeah. And a lot of times you hadn't, you haven't eaten. Yes. And I just know that about you. And then other times I need to know, like, let's just use that same example. I need to know, okay, Josh is really grumpy right now. I need to not be maybe as sarcastic or mm-hmm. as like pokey as I can be or babyish. You know, I'm like, I want you to. Sure. Or want to have hard conversations right that right minute. Right then. 
happen yeah. right then. Yeah. And so I think it's both. Like we need to be That's emotionally good. intelligent about our spouse and then emotionally intelligent about ourselves yeah. and allow that. Because once we get that, once we get like Josh and I, you know, we, everybody, nobody's perfect, right? We have our weaknesses. Our relationship has things that we need to work on. But I can tell you, like, having hard conversations, that is a superpower within our relationship that we have really, really, really honed in. Is like the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. That doesn't just mean friends. That means your mm. spouse. And we have really honed in the tough conversations and are willing to. We don't avoid them. Don't avoid them. Work through them. Very respectful. And if we're not, one of us isn't in the headspace. I mean, we both are, well, we'll be driving in the car and he may say something. And I'm like, I don't think you're in the emotional headspace to have this conversation right now or about myself. And he'll say, okay. Or I'll say, okay. Yep, and then we wait. It. Yep. Table it. Yep. So I think emotional intelligence, communication is the most important thing. And that's not hidden. Josh and I talk about that all the time. Yep. Communication makes or breaks your relationship. Yeah. And the communication will make or break based off of your emotional intelligence. Amen. That is so true. I think the thing with emotional intelligence is about self-awareness. Yes. It's understanding how self-aware you are. So it's really easy to see how we react and act with our emotions. Yeah. And so if we're in a heated discussion about something, are we just now riding on our emotions to carry us through? We just want to win. We're just trying to prove our point. You know? And we understand like emotions, lack of emotional intelligence can really come across uh, as we're trying to defend ourselves. We're trying to, you know, we really do mean well, but we're still violent, you know, going to plow through it. And, you know, emotional intelligence means, hey, like she's saying, we have a barometer of things, right? We're like, okay, I'm not going to avoid hard conversations, but I know when to have those hard conversations. And that is an individual growth thing. So I was approached probably a year ago at church by a guy, and then he just started insulting me to my face about something calling me things, tell, you know, just being extremely insultive to me. And in that moment, my flesh wanted to invite him outside. It really did. That when I was way younger, that's how we handled things. If I yeah. couldn't get you with my tongue, I got you with my hand. And that's just the way that yeah. it was. And so in that moment, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to sit down at a lower level than this guy. Let him know that I'm not trying to challenge him. I'm not trying to threaten him. And I watched what I said. I didn't say anything back. I tried to have a, a civil conversation with them, but throughout I realized it was going nowhere. And I just looked at him at one point and I says, hey, man, this conversation isn't going anywhere and I'm done. And I got up and I walked away. Was that easy? No. I still think about it today. I get goosebumps thinking about it today. But I can tell you what, it was an emotional, intelligent moment. It was my opportunity to handle the situation with my emotions the right way instead of the way that I wanted to. And I think that in our marriage, it's the exact same thing because we are in a pressure cooker in our marriage mm -hmm. at all times. Like we not only just share all the good times, we share all the bad times too, no matter what. Mm -hmm. If you have a bad day at work, it's I'm part of it. Yeah. Right? You bring it home whether I want you to or not. And same thing me, right? If I had a bad night's sleep, like I'm grouchy throughout the day because I haven't gotten sleep in three days. Like you're affected by it. Mm -hmm. And we have to be emotionally intelligent on how we're going to handle that. I think what's a good key indicator though, too, is so, like I said, Josh and I's relationship isn't perfect, but you know, in your own marriage, there is specific fights, quote unquote, um, that you guys continuously have. 
all the time, especially in blended marriages, right? There's there's like the same two or three fights. Kids. It seems like you have throughout your marriage. Money. Well, and it well, yeah, that's for most. But I'm just saying, yeah. if you have multiple kids, it might be one specific kid. Yeah. You know that that you because in a blended family that you guys are are arguing about, or you may have one specific thing when it comes to your finances that you guys are are arguing about. You know things like that. And I think a good key indicator for this about emotional intelligence is Josh and I could, without like getting into like this airing dirty laundry or possibly having our kids watch this later, maybe we wouldn't want to have them see it, is that we can actually sit down any of those hard conversations and it's like three or four. Him and I could actually sit down to this day right now and, and still talk about them, but not get heated at all. Like both of us can say, yeah, we've kind of just came to a mutual understanding. Like as long as it's not messing with our relationship or screwing up our life, you can pretty much make the decision when it comes to these things. And, yeah. and we can have yeah. just an open, we can laugh about some of them and it's not brushed under the rug. We can still talk about them openly and there is no underlying anger or bitterness or anything like that with them because both of us went through the anger, the bitterment, their bitterness that we've, we've had all those debates over and over and over and over and again. And him and I, through those times, both had to learn how to become emotionally intelligent. Like let's, we both had to learn to read one another. How does he fight or argue? How do I fight or argue? Right. What What's the purpose of it? Like, I don't want to win. I want us to win. We had to go through all yeah. of those hard things and to learn get each to that. Heart. Yes. Yes. And know that we're not being malicious in the way that we feel about something. Yeah. It's not intended to hurt us. It's never was those things. And so. Well, sometimes it did seem malicious only because we were angry. Yeah. It's emotionally. You know? So it's yeah, like it's... right now I'm going to tell you what I'm truly feeling. And we got to that point over time. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to say to you what I'm actually thinking in my head. Yeah. Because we need to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Because I even feel bad. Human. We do. Okay. So let's just be honest. A lot. Of, that's what goes on in recovery. Right. We come in and we think thoughts in our head that maybe sometimes are so like, I cannot believe I thought that thought that we're embarrassed or maybe we're trying to. So him and I got used to I'm going to tell you what I'm actually thinking in my head, because I know at this point, you know, my heart and you and I, I just need to get it out. And you and I need to talk about it because this is the way that I'm feeling. Or and I just some, need you to be I need to be heard. Yeah. And sometimes those thoughts that we have in our head are not nice. <laughs> not nice. Yeah. Yeah. Rob says, watching for my wife's triggers has become a key thing when we were communicating. Yeah. It is, Rob. And it he, is. He learned that. Too, I have learned me. that. And it's, it's, it's really a, it's a thing. It's a balancing thing, right? It's not that I want to, I don't walk on eggshells with Christy. I don't do that. But I understand how to care for her during certain types of conversations. And we can still get through something. Mm -hmm. We don't have to avoid things. Right. You know? And I think there's a big difference in that. You know, it's not like, oh, well, you know, my wife goes off or my husband goes off with these types of things. So we just don't go there. No. There's certain ways to handle certain situations so you can go through them together. My wife knows that there's no nothing she can't come to me and talk to me about, about anything, about my kids, if she has to, or anything. Nothing's off limits, but she also knows there's certain ways to handle those conversations as well. And it's very different. She can come to me and talk to me about her kids very differently than she's going to come to me and talk to me about mine. And that's very different. And I think that's an emotional intelligence thing. Well, one of the things I think when it comes to emotional intelligence is we get to look at somebody sometimes <laughs> like let's say josh came to me this has actually happened um before not maybe this specific instance but this overall car archer conversation where i'll be like you do pay attention and you see my triggers and you 
um, adjust based on that and care for my needs. And then I would look at him and be like, I do that for you too, don't you think? And then if he's like, no, I actually don't think you do that. I used to be like, well, I don't want you to think that way. That's wrong. <laughs> and we have to get beyond that. Emotional intelligence is if he actually feels like I don't care for him within an argument the same way that he cares for me and he's the one that's constantly having to watch for me and adjust for me and all this stuff, but I'm never having to do that for him. He's not complaining to me about it. I asked and he said, no, I don't feel that way. And for me to say, okay, well, that's wrong. You should feel differently. That's completely mm. irrational. Mm. And so emotional intelligence is saying like, okay, if he feels that way and I care about my husband, how can I adjust so that he knows that I am trying to do that or I want to do that? Or if I'm being honest with myself, sometimes I don't want to. I want him to cater to me. I don't want to cater to him. Yeah. You know, and so then we have to have those conversations. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm the female. I'm the mo more emotional one. Yes, you need to cater. I'm good type of thing. Yeah. And then we have to work through that because yeah. we're honest about the way that we're feeling. It is tough because- And no one wants to listen to that. It's tough because we could really beat this point to, to crazy death. Like we could. <laughs> yeah. We could because so much is involved emotionally, especially in your individual growth. Because I feel like so many people will get sober or they'll make big changes in their life or they'll get divorced from the problem mm -hmm. and remarry somebody and all these great things, right? And so many things change, right? They get a great job and life should be good. But then their emotions are completely out of whack. And it's like they're just going bananas on people all the time for no apparent reason. It's like their emotional intelligence has not come forth. And individually growing, it's like we have, be, have to be willing to pay attention to that and grow in these areas emotionally. You know, how am I being responsible with my emotions, especially in my marriage? I, I, I'm saying start with my marriage, right? My marriage is the most important thing. And then I can work on the outside of things. How am I going to handle it with friends and my family and work and so on and so forth. But you well, know, I used to worry about it. So I used to like, I used to never, I would have never on live on our podcast been like, sometimes I don't feel like caring for him. I want to be like, nope, you do emotionally cater for me. And that's just the way I feel. And then we need to work through that. I would have never said that before because I would have worried like all these other women out there or his mom or his sisters or someone would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's like that. I can't. What an awful wife. Josh, we feel so sorry for you. I don't worry about that anymore because our relationship is strong because I've been super honest mm -hmm. with the way that I feel. And he's been super honest with the way that he feels in situations where he may say something and some people would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he would say that. Who cares? Like we're stronger now because of it. And we're if we're really one. honest with ourselves, like really honest, we do have those feelings. I do feel sometimes like he should take care of me. Mm -mm -mm. He's the man. He should take yeah. care of me emotionally. And that's when I'm being ready. And we can talk about that. That's okay. And we should talk about that because mm -hmm. if we don't, I think them times become more prevalent and not, and they don't go away very often. Right. It becomes more of a brat session all the time. Yeah. I think that's what happens in marriages. You know, yeah. I, I think it does. Yeah. Now you feel like I deserve, I deserve, I deserve because I'm not getting, I'm not getting, I'm not getting. And that's just. And a lot of times you're like, oh, baby, you can be bratty today. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. I want you to be. Yeah. And then I'm like, hmm. <laughs> And then you're good to go. <laughs> That's the funny thing is that we think at times, I think in marriages, like we're supposed to be emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally strong for each other all, all the, time. the time. And that is just such a lie. It's just such a lie. And you, you oh, know, I got something to say to that. And, and men, you know, we think we're supposed to be strong in these specific ways at specific times and we're not. And uh, something I've had to learn in my own humility through my marriage, and it took me years to do this, 
is that I don't have to be the emotional strength all of the time for this woman. You know, I, I feel like I should be, right? But sometimes I'm not available that way. Life is beating me up some way. And my wife instantly knows, okay, it's her turn to take over now. Like it's an unspoken but we talk thing. About, but we do talk about we it. We do talk about it, but it's an unspoken thing, right? First off, when it first happened, things, the worst thing you could do is approach your spouse and be like, yeah, why are you doing it? Why aren't you taking care of me emotionally, right? It's an intelligence thing. And so she initially says, I see what's going on. I'm recognizing something that's happening. Yeah. Something's going on with him. I need to take over in this way, you know, and, and let him know that I'm here to support him here for this yeah. and here for that. And then as time goes on, now we're going to have these conversations. It's the approach. It's all these things. And so I think, you know, understanding emotional intelligence in your marriage means that you don't have to be on top of your a game all the times so you just have to want to, to care and allow your spouse to take well care. and sometimes i'm slow on the uptick right so like he may go a couple days where then i start because it naturally in our relationship mm. the majority of the time he's emotionally taking care of me like he's a, good he's stable like all of these things and then it, there'll be a couple days where i'm like man he just seems really sharp-tongued or he really seems like impatient or and that's out of his character and then a couple days will pass and then i'll be like what's going on with you like are you okay i won't say like you haven't been emotionally taking care of me right i'll say like what's going on with you are you okay and then he will then trigger him to be honest with me and say no i'm really not like i'm dealing with this this and this which is a rarity and so then i know then i don't need to look at him and be like okay well i'm gonna start being the emotional yeah. you know throw right. the line here babe yeah. i'll take it you know here. Yeah. yeah i know just to switch gears then and give yeah. him grace not be looking for that expectation of that and try to be more there for him and yep. that's what's unspoken mm -hmm. you know it's more of taking care of that but Brene brown uh i watched her one time on a talk show and uh i don't remember who she was talking to might have been oprah i don't know but she said that her and her husband did she said she hates it when people say uh, marriages are 50 50 or yeah. 100 100 or whatever she's like that's not the case ever she's like the total needs to be 100 percent. and she's like sometimes somebody's going to be 80 and the other one's going to be 20 and sometimes one's going to be 50 and the other one will be 50 and so her and her spouse got um a code where they would come in and she would be like i got 20 today you know and then he would be like i got you I got the other 80 and she's like, sometimes they came in and she'd be like, I'm at 10 and he would be like, I'm at like 15. So then they sit down and say, okay, this is where we're at. We're both struggling with our own things. We need to come together and talk this through. Yep. And I really liked that because yeah. it really cuts through the crap to begin with. And it does. It opens it up to yeah. have the conversation. Or I'm not going to unload on you and you're not going to unload right. on me. Right. Not in that moment. We're both at 10 and 10 here. Like right. we're not talking like, about the kids. We're not talking about this. money. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're, you know, we're, yeah, we're being intelligent with our emotions right now. Yeah. Love it. Carrie said, one of our pastors at our church said recently, stewarding your wounds well. And I think that's a good point when we can use emotional intelligence to learn and grow and allow God to work with and through the pain. Healing happens and relationships grow. True. Mm -hmm. That's very, very true. Stewarding your wounds well. Mm -hmm. and I think that's really hard for people because we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to be vulnerable to steward our wounds well. And I think vulnerability is one of our key problems in the world as a whole right now is that we're always in this, I, you know, I got to protect number one and I have to do all these things. So we suck back. And when we do that, we're, we're protecting ourselves. We're, we're really not doing what's necessary to grow. And that's exactly what Carrie's saying. Or their victim mindset. And a lot of times they're out looking for everybody else to heal their wounds for them. And when people don't do it up to what their expectations are, it makes them angry.
angry, sad. Yeah. Makes everybody else mean and hateful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point, Carrie. All right. Number three. We're talking about continued learning. Continued learning, number three. Oh, sorry, babe. Continued learning. I'm like, I want to go to this one because I'm super excited to talk about this one. All right. We're on number three. Continued learning, or what did you call it? Improvement. Continued improvement, right? Continued improvement. It's about investing in yourself. Continue to invest in yourself, not expect just, I'm going to do a little and be good to go. Well, and how how are we? I think that's a good question to ask. Like, how are we continuing to improve? I, I'm very passionate about this because I've said it so many times that everyone always talks about like career advancement and what are you doing to advance your career and um, your uh, relationship with Jesus. Like, what are you doing to grow a deeper relationship with Jesus and self-improvement? Like, what are you doing all the time? But no one ever talks about marriage improvement. And I think a lot of times when we come together and say, okay, what are each of us going to do together to make it so I'm a better spouse for you and you're a better Mm -hmm. spouse for me? And how can we talk about that in a marriage? Yes, we need to do it individually. But maybe what if my, what if a few, I never asked Josh, what if I'm like, I feel like I never emotionally support you enough. So I am reading a whole bunch of books about how I can be a better like emotional support person for you and everything else. But then two years go by and everything I'm done, nothing's working in my mind. And then we sit down and talk and you were like, I'm like, man, I just feel like I don't emotionally support you and I've been working so hard. And then you looked at me and you were like, I feel like you emotionally support me. What I don't feel like you do is I don't feel like you encourage me. I I need you to look at me and say, babe, you're doing a good job. I've wasted two years of my life. You know, so I think it's important to when we talk about continued improvement or continued learning, I think it's important to, yes, we need to, how can we get, be more emotionally intelligent? How can we have hard conversations better? But some of that is let's just don't assume how we're not meeting our spouse's needs. Why don't we talk about it? And because I'm a lot harder on myself than he is on me. So I could be working so hard in this direction to be like, I need to get better at making sure I have more empathy. You know, I know I need to have more empathy. And then he's like, I like you just the way you are. I don't care. You know, type of thing. You know, the the first thing that comes to mind when we we talk about continued learning or continued improvement is CrossFit. And if you don't know what CrossFit Mm -hmm. is, CrossFit is a sport that you can get into. Anybody can get into it about working out, right? And if you don't know too much about what it is, but it's very, it takes a lot, right? So a lot of these people that do CrossFit, it's, you know, two to four hours a day of working out, seven days a week. And then they have these competitions and it's extreme working out type of thing, right? And what I think happens is we think to ourselves, you know what? This is something that's going to continuously help me grow as an individual. It's really good for me. But then your spouse is like, I don't want to do that. And so now you're away from your spouse, you know, 25 extra hours a week now, and it's not pouring into your marriage. But you're like, yeah, but this is good for me. This is making me a better spouse. Mm. Is it though? Is it though? You know, and I think we have to understand where this continued learning or, I mean, is it benefiting your, your relationship and you? And I think that we need to make sure that we are coupling these things together because when God says that we're one flesh, right? God says that we're one flesh. And so are we treating our one flesh right? When we, when it comes to individual learning and continue to learn and continue to grow, Mm. how are we doing that? Are we sacrificing our marriage so we can individually grow? And I think many of us don't do that, right? We need some relaxing time. So we want to go golf on four leagues during the week. 
And guess what? Our wife doesn't even know how to golf or our husband doesn't even know how to golf. And so now they're just gone all the time. Like, yeah, but it's good for me, you know? And it's, I think the, the world just is getting so far away from doing things that individual growth that, that join us together. Instead, it's pushing mm. us apart. I think that's interesting that you, I mean, just between you and I, we looked at this point so differently. Yeah. Because I viewed it a little bit differently than you viewed it. Like I viewed it as continuous, like what can I do to consume to become better? Yeah. You know, for you. For yeah. Which and, is how we should look at it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I fear that most people don't. Hmm. Right. This is good for me. My girl's night out is for me. My, you know, whatever it is. But that's not learning. You could blame that though. You could say, you know what? This is me continuing to learn more about how to be better. That's why I use CrossFit, right? It's a training thing. Like I'm continuously learning how to take care of my body. Hmm. It's it's an easy escape goat in, in, in our ways of looking at we're continuously improving, right? I'm doing it for you. I think Are that bleeds though? into number four. I think it can. I think it can. I think it does. But that's my take on that one. Hmm. All right. You ready to move okay. on to number four now? Yeah. Okay, well, I want to ponder on this continued learning more now. We're going to have to revisit it. Do Number a whole four. podcast on it. Number four is prioritize self-care. This is a fun one. <sighs> it is a fun one because Josh and I were disagreeing before this one. And he was kind of making fun of me. I was not <laughs> making fun of you. You were cracking me up. <laughs> so Josh asked... <laughs> what self-care like and i'm like yes i drink water okay that's self-care and then he looked at me and he was like do you feel guilty if you don't get all that water in i'm like yes i do and he's like that's not self-care then and i'm like but it is i get up and i do my elliptical in the morning he doesn't think that's self-care either so then him and i i felt like i was with a teacher <laughs> like like teach me obi-wan you know, type of thing, because I'm like, no, it is all these things. And he's like, no, it's something that, you know, you're not going to feel guilty about. Like, it's literally like helping it's you caring for yourself, helping you release, right? Like not have to worry about, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. Like, okay, if I go out and take a walk in nature, it's resetting me, I guess, is, is the way now I need to say it. Like drinking a gallon of water isn't resetting me. In fact, if I don't get it all in, I beat myself up about it. But going for a walk in nature or um, going to get a pedicure, things like that. Those are things that help relax me and calm me and and okay. things like that. So, so that's self-care. So I, so everybody's clear. I didn't say she was wrong. Okay. I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm saying I look at self-care differently. I think all the things that she mentioned before are self-care responsibilities, right? You have a responsibility on some things like, you know, you have to take care of God's temple, right? I need to drink a lot of water, right? We need to, we don't even know if we're that that's even an important thing. We just think that's what we're supposed to do because some scientists one day said that we're supposed to drink a gallon of water a day, right? And get on elliptical, do some exercise, right? It's important, right? We're supposed to get our heart rate up. And these are things that are important for our health. But I mean self-care, things that actually feel good that make like you feel Like more mental self-care. Yeah, mental, emotional, spiritual, yeah. things that are like, yeah. you know, she's like, you know, about getting up and, you know, early in the morning and reading my Bible and doing these things. I'm like, that's great. It's awesome. It's things you should do. And those things are good for you, you know, but do you beat yourself up if you miss a day? And she's like, well, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's not what I'm meaning by self-care, by prioritizing self-care. I mean, do you enjoy going and getting your hair done? Oh, yeah. She loves getting her hair done. She loves it, right? But it's not something like... It's mainly about the wash. But, you know what I'm talking about, ladies. 
But my point is, is if she had to miss a time or something like that, it's not going to impact her the same way as if she's not going to beat herself up if she didn't go get her hair done, right? She really enjoys it when she goes and gets it done, her nails. She loves getting her nails done, right? You enjoy that. Yeah. But you're not going to be, I've what through COVID, you couldn't get your nails done. It's like, you weren't beating yourself up every day. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't have my nails on, you know? Yeah. And it's just like self-care things. What is it that you're doing to to care for yourself in a healthy way? So like Josh, we were talking about this before, um, the podcast and one of the things that I've done recently and I'm like I really don't want to talk about that in the podcast but whatever um is I, I took I'm taking four weeks off of church I took four weeks off and I told him I'm gonna be honest with you of why I don't want to talk about it I said because I don't believe people right so like at celebrate recovery we see people tell us that all the time like oh I'm just gonna take a couple weeks off and him and I are like they're not coming back <laughs> and they don't Right. So I don't want to tell people like, yeah, I'm taking four weeks off of church because people are going to be like, should not go back. But I know me and I know why I am, you know, that I am going to be church is a huge part of my life and my church family is a huge part of my life and God is a huge part of my life. But I needed to reset myself. I really feel like I got into a very negative space as far as, I mean, we were just talking about this today. Like we feel like we don't really get invited to anything anymore. Um, from a lot of our church family things that they have going on. And it's, he's like, I feel like we just really have gotten to where we're not like putting ourselves out there the yeah, same, in the same way, yeah. in the same way that we normally do. Yeah, and it's funny that he said that because that's one of the reasons why I'm like, I'm taking four weeks off. I got to take four weeks off of church because I really didn't feel like I was showing up and being present the way that I needed to be. I felt like I was number one, doing it out of obligation. I felt super guilty if I didn't go and everybody was going to be judging me and all of these things. But so then when I was going, I was going it to check a box or I was being very withdrawn. Like I didn't want, I didn't feel like I could pour into anybody else. And I'm not just there to pour into anybody else. I get that, but it's hard for me to explain. And this last Sunday was the third Sunday. Um, next Sunday we, I have a work picnic that him and I are going to. And then after that, I'm starting right back up again. But I actually feel really good. I haven't felt guilty. I haven't felt any of those things. It's actually felt freeing to be like, you know, I feel like I'm even praying more, you know, to God and and being like, I'm getting back to what it's all, what having a relationship with Jesus is all about. And it's definitely not going to a building every single Sunday for an hour. Now, the Bible does say, do not give up meeting together you know, as most do. So you are, you know, we are as Christians supposed to go to church and we're supposed to gather together, encourage one another and be part of the body of Christ. But I don't think that the way that I was starting to do it, I don't think I was doing it in the way that Jesus would have been proud of. And I needed to reset. I needed to reset myself. And now I really, I'm excited. I'm excited to go back to church. I'm excited to start seeing people. And mind you, him and I have been going to church together for, I don't know, 12 years. Mm -hmm. Um, 12 years. I mean, we've been together for, um, you know, almost 14 and, uh, we've been going to church together for 12 years. We're a huge part of our church family. And I think if we're talking about self-care right now, like being honest and vulnerable for myself right now, that's something that I have done that most people may judge or not understand. And that's the type of self-care I think Josh was talking about for you. When you guys are married and you're sitting down, Josh works at the church. Like he's on staff at the church. So to have his wife come to him and say, I need to take him and I didn't talk about it. Like I came to him and was like, 
I need to take four weeks. Like I'm taking four weeks off. I don't know where the number came from. I don't know how I came up with it. And he was like, okay, I think you should. And it's been great. It's been great. And uh, I can't say enough about it. That's why it's self-care though. That's exactly the the funny conversation we got in before we even did the podcast today. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. You know, it's something that you need to take care of yourself in. Not everybody's going to understand it. You know, and it's not to remove responsibility, right? That's not the point of it, right? Christy has a responsibility that she has at the church, all these things, but it became only responsibility, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to do something that's going to help take care of yourself because the only thing that's going to make you become a better wife is you becoming a better you, mm-hmm. right? The only thing that's going to make me become a better husband is me becoming a better me. And I, I could check all the boxes of doing all the right things as a husband and still not be a good husband. I can't. And so we have to understand that we need to prioritize our self-care. In four weeks off church, I will stand on a hill and defend that all day long for you because I know the importance of it. And I don't care if other people understand that. Mm -hmm. I know my wife and I know what she needs. And so I think it's important that we understand that self-care is not an, it should never be used as an excuse, right? But it should be used as, um, you know, as a tool that we use in our arsenal to make sure that we are still being able to become the spouse and the person that God's designed us to be. Yeah. I got really, I got really like bitter about it. Like people coming up and asking for prayer and all this stuff. I'm just like, yeah. you know, I mean, if I'm going to be honest yeah, that's, and it's that's like, honesty. it's like, I want to, I want to love like Jesus loves. I want to pray and for, do all those things and not feel like something else is just draining me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm recharged. And him and I have been going to church together for 12 years and I've never taken four weeks off of church ever. And it's been really good. Yeah. And I think that's why it's important, right? So self-care is... What do you do for self-care? A priority. I have a lot of alone time. And I That's will put, bad for you. It's not bad for me. I, I it's you wanted to be let me, me apparently. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me tell let me tell you what self-care is good for you. But it's, you know, I have alone time and I need that alone time. And so that's important to me. When we're on vacation, you know, I'm all I'm on a hundred percent of the time, right? Except when it's just Christy and I, it's very different, right? I don't have a problem relaxing around my wife. But when the kids are around and there's other people around, I feel like I'm in take care of everybody mode. You know, I cook. I'm or not, entertain. Or entertain, right? No, seriously, that is that. And so, Because he is a jokester. Well, it is, and I want to. You know, yeah. I want everybody to feel comfortable. I want all those things. Yeah. And so, you know, I have specific times of the day where I'm just like, the morning time is I like alone time. I like it alone. I'm glad that nobody is awake and Christy goes to work at that point. And I have an hour or two where I can work on things I want to work on. And it actually starts to make me mad when the dog wants to go in and out. But we don't, this dog doesn't do that. It's a blessing from heaven. But our other dogs, it was like always at the door, always wanting to go out. She's always at the door. Not in the morning. Oh, she's not? Not no, in the morning? No. Oh, just the, morning. the rest of the day. I don't know if she has like an extra pee bag fanny pack she keeps somewhere. Oh my I gosh. The dog fills it up and keeps it somewhere. That dog know. is impressive. <laughs> it's amazing to me. It's a blessing. It's super, super huge. Rob says, we participate in each other's healing. Yep. Yeah. That is what I really look away from, took away from our uh, premarital counseling. Yeah. It's important. You know, it is. I mean, we got to constantly be filling each other up, taking care of each other in our own healing. But we have to understand that, you know, having an individual level of growth in your individual life is a direct reflection of how you're going to care for your spouse and the value you're going to get out of your your spouse. You know, it is. And so uh, I constantly think of things that are going to help me become better. How is that going to be able to help me be better for her and for our family? 
And when I, when I choose to look through it from that lens, I don't do things out of selfish desire. I do things out of a healthy way of looking and growing that's going to work best for us and our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not always easy. It isn't. Sometimes it's hard. All right. You got anything else? It's well, always hard, but it can be hard fun or um, hard, hard. Make, make it have fruit if it's going to be hard. Yeah. Right. All right. Anything else? We do have an amazing, fun, awesome uh, reveal that's going to be coming up real soon. Something that we're working on right now. It's going to be kind of big. I'm excited awesome. about it. It is, it is very big, actually. It is, it is really, really big. And, and another thing, too. You talk about that first. Well, I'm done now. So no. <gasps> I don't know what the other thing is. Like, what's going on? The thing we're going to do in, in February or February. Yeah. Oh, local? Yeah. So we announced on here before, I believe, that we were it was going to be in September. And we met with the, we did, yeah. and we told everybody yeah. to stay tuned. But um, the dates didn't align and all of these things. We just had a call with them last night. So we're going to be doing something in February, more Valentine's Day, um, Keyed Around Marriages. Yeah, we're hoping February and, 17th is what we're hoping yeah, for. Yeah, February 17th. It's going to be in Flint, and it's going to be at a local coffee shop down there. Yeah. Um, cute little thing in the back that holds 60 people. So we're really excited about that. It's going to be like a 9 to 2 type of thing. It's going to be mm. like a kind of a mini conference kind of thing that we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to try and make it, uh, you know, something So we're excited about that. Four marriages for Valentine's Day. But the other thing that Josh is talking about, I'm even more excited for. <laughs> yeah. Because this is going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned. If you're in our private Facebook group, we're probably going to be polling you guys about some things coming up, about mm-hmm. some questions, about some things that we're wanting to do. So uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah. We're yeah. stoked. We're stoked. We're geeked. Anything else? <laughs> no. All right. Thank you so much for being here. If you didn't have a chance yet to hit share, please hit share, like, or subscribe. And we look forward to seeing you guys next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Bye.